HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. It's 1 p.m. on Monday afternoon, and I'm in Bushwick, Brooklyn, which means this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm here every Monday afternoon talking about the intersection of technology and food. To listen live or on demand, click on to theheritageradionetwork.org or go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get Tech Bytes on the go. Before we get started with our show today, which is going to be all about the brand new Epicurious which I'm really looking forward to hearing more about. I'm going to introduce everyone in the studio so you can associate a name with a voice. First up, we have Jack Inslee, who's the engineer and the person responsible for making this an actual podcast instead of me talking to people in a shipping container. He wears many Heritage Radio hats. He's the network's executive producer. And if you like to throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care, he has an awesome... DJ music show on Thursday nights called Full Service Radio. Hey, thanks. We also have uh, two gentlemen from Epicurious. We have Eric Gillen, who's the executive director, and Matt Docker, who's the restaurant editor. So, Eric. Hey, I'm Eric. How are you? Matt. Hey, I'm Matt. Wonderful. Thank you for making it out to Brooklyn today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. It's a nice shipping container. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> a really nice homey. shipping container. It's very cozy. It's good. It's nice. And we have a nice big uh, picture window so we don't get claustrophobic. It's true. It'd feel like a SVU episode. <laughs> <laughs> we start off Tech Bites like any good meal with something I call Appetizer, which is where we all shout out one of our favorite apps. So you guys have a couple minutes to think about it. My app this week is something called Lingo Look, and it is a language flashcard. It was actually one of the very first apps for iPhone and then one of the first apps for iPad. So it's been living on my home screen for quite some time. It's really a lot of fun. It ha they have eight languages, including Chinese and French, 
They have Italian, which is great if you're planning on going to Milan for the expo this summer. And basically what it is is you have uh, pictures of words, the word written in English, the word written, say, in Japanese, phonetically, and then the kanji characters. And then it's also audio. So I should actually have my phone here with me. Hold on. (laughs) How often are you using this? Well, you know, I've had the Japanese one on my phone for a really long time because I'm just a Japanophile and I love it. I used the China one last year when I went to Shanghai, and it came to mind recently because I recommended it to my cousin who just went on a trip to Paris, and she downloaded the French one. And she said, ah, that app was just wonderful. Thank you so much. So it kind of jogged my memory. How does this work? Do people like totally spooked by the robot voice you're using to talk to you? <laughs> it's not a robot voice. It's an actual person Ooh, voice. Like a, like a fake robot person voice? No, or? it's a real person person wow. voice. So my, one of my favorite ones on the Japanese is if you hit it. Oh, let's see. Volume would be helpful. Right. Yes. Many people this would didn't say, happen in rehearsal. I don't know <laughs> what's going on here. Spontaneous radio. Oishi. Oh, wow. Oishi. Yeah. So that means delicious in Japanese, nice. and that's one of my favorite ones. Okay. Let's take a look. So do you, do you actually use this to speak for you, or do you... Well, that's the idea, exactly. I, if you're in Japan and you are you know, at a coffee shop and you want a decaf coffee, but you're not quite sure how to make that happen, you would pull out the app, you would show them the mm. flashcard, and then you would push... Caffeine nuki. Which is decaf coffee. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that'll, my pronunciation on most things, even English-based, is pretty terrible. So that would be... <laughs> it's just like, day-to-day helpful day-to-day around the office. Helpful around the office yeah. You know, maybe write into them and they can do a nice English, English version. English version. English-American, English-British. Great. <laughs> so Jack is usually has some good apps for us. Let's see. Today, uh, I'll talk about my remote mouse app which basically turns your phone into a mouse. So if you're lazy and not sitting in front of your computer and you still want to click around on stuff, you can do it. And in my case, I have a projector set up in my room. So oh. I can like literally just lay around and use my phone as a mouse wow. and a keyboard. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's neat. I've never even yeah. heard of that. It's this Bluetooth thing. Can't think of any use cases for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Awesome. Uh, mine is a game. doesn't have to be an app, right? Uh, mine is a game. It's called Aldo's Adventures, and you play a little dude with a snowboard who has to round up his llamas and do tricks on your snowboard. It is highly addictive and a very beautiful-looking game, uh, kind of like a sword and sorcery. Um, it's two bucks, worth the two bucks. You'll just sort of like crush your phone's battery while playing this all the time. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a great time waster, so highly recommend that one. Snowboarding and llamas. Yeah, I mean you have to. Yep. <laughs> I was going to go deep and explain it, but it's sort of like, it's a game. So, yeah, it's you have to snowboard after your llamas. Were, were you glued to your computer last week when the llamas were running around Arizona? Oh, I saw that, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I was playing this game. It probably was, but unrelated. Yeah. Unrelated. No, I was, I was playing this game. A totally different set of llamas were preoccupying me. Uh, it, it's great. It's fantastic. It, and it's two bucks, and they're a great indie game shop, so... Uh, you, you're, you, you'll thank me later. So it's the gateway game. It is one of the gateway games, okay. yeah. 
Uh, I'm obsessed with this app called Tape a Call. Uh, basically, uh, it allows you to uh, record uh, phone calls, uh, hopefully for uh, ethically sound uh, purposes. But so, you know, when we're doing interviews with people, chefs, recipe developers um, at Epicurious, we'll often want to tape what we have. Uh, the way to do that historically for me has been to either uh, put the landline on speakerphone and hold your, you know, your iPhone up to it and record that way, or have one of these like you have to go on a on a, a treasure hunt to to Radio Shack or somewhere online to have these kind of old school analog patch things where you're able to hook right into a digital recorder. Uh, this thing allows you to uh, seamlessly record any phone call by basically you call this service and then add a call in uh, with whoever you want to interview. And it merges them together, and it sends it directly to your phone, and you're able to download it there and, and do whatever you want with it. But super cool. It's four ninety nine, which is above what I normally. It's, it's pricey. pretty pricey for pricey. apps. But the patch Five and digital, <laughs> the patch and digital voice recorder will set you back. I don't know, you know, forty. So you know, a bargain by comparison. But I've been using that a lot lately. We should hook that up in with her app, and then you can order decaf coffee, coffee. in Japan. <laughs> I think there should be some synergy and record it. It would be awesome. Well, this is being recorded, just to let you oh know. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, on, on tape call, it has a beeping noise to remind you that it's being recorded. But <laughs> That's not enough. Well, I'm glad this recording's not going anywhere. This is great. <laughs> so, Epicurious. Epicurious started 20 years ago in 1995. Yeah. And it, I think of it as being really one of the first significant online sources for cooking and for recipes. So does our marketing team. That's good. You guys are totally in line. <laughs> we, we were. I mean, I think it was the end of August in 1995 when they launched. And a lot of people think that, oh, it was something that Condé Nast bought. But it's not. And they developed it. So they founded it themselves. And, you know, we were pretty much the first recipe database. All recipes didn't even launch until 97. So if you go back into, like, the old internet. It's, <laughs> it's, we're one of the first ones. So it has gone through a bunch of different permutations along with technology and magazines and what kind of content people want. This current iteration is being called the web food utility. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I think, on some level marketing speak. for it. We're just making the most helpful food site we can make for today's modern home cook. You know, you have phones, you have tablets, you have all these different devices, and people really like to get in the kitchen. So I see us as sort of a fun facilitator for that and providing really high-quality information that you can use to go into the kitchen and cook. There's a staggering amount of content on this site. There is the entire it, – it seems that the website has a cache of every single recipe that was published in a Condé Nast title since the dawn of time. Some of my favorites are – you have original recipes by James Beard from the 1955, you know, issue of House and Garden magazine, for we example. Do. And all those kinds of things which are really wonderful. So you have content from the magazines, but then you also have a huge amount of content that you're creating afresh. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. We have a, uh, you know, we have a, the recipe for how to do salted boiled water from Gourmet, and then we have a new article about the hilarious comments on that salted boiled water uh, recipe, which is totally worth checking out. Um, I think oh, 950 comments and yeah, counting on that yeah. on that recipe. So, yeah. Is that the most commented recipe? No, it's, it's a not, double yeah. chocolate layer cake with 2,500, I believe. <laughs> 
lots of lots of chatter about the the, the most comments on a useless recipe though yeah. for sure like it's definitely the most comments on a, yeah. on, a, on a useless boiling water recipe um you know we have a, a full edit team now uh we have uh, a test kitchen we have uh on-staff photographer so you know one of the things that we're pretty committed to is putting up you know, really, really great information. I think the web has a lot of information, but not all of it is super high quality or super good or really easily understood. And I think that one of the things that we want to do is whether you're a 101 chef or a 301 advanced kind of chef, that there's really, really great information or that like, aha, like I didn't know that. And so, you know, that that really ladders back to just being helpful. And I think that's been in the DNA of Epicurious from the beginning. And I think we just want to play that up as opposed to something that might be you know, more artificial. So we come to, you know, you come to us for what you would expect from us, which is great information on how to cook. And Matt, I think part of your job is creating a lot of that content. I spent some time looking at the series that you do called Preach. Sure. Everything starts with why you should. Yeah, right. Why you should eat hot dogs all year round. Why you should drink mezcal instead of tequila. Why you should make pancakes in the oven. Right. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think the idea behind our editorial content is, you know, we just we just want to help make people better cooks, you know? And I think that if people are coming to the website through Google search or through social, uh, primarily for recipes is what people think of Epicurious for, why wouldn't you have great content to go alongside those things? It's just, it's a no-brainer. It's something that... Um, it you know was a part of Epicurious's DNA. There's always been content, but I think you know we've never had a staff the size that we have now, and the resources and the faith that Condé Nast has in us um, to kind of like create something fresh and and cool. And and I think for me, it's about you know I, I came from Bon Appetit, which is you know uh, since 2011 is now the world of like you know food as lifestyle and food and culture meeting. And there's you know really you know they feature really interesting people. They feature, feature athletes and designers and all sorts of people in the magazine. You know, I think for us with Epicurious, you know, it's, I think home cooking has been kind of cast aside in that revolution. You know, not that there's not recipes in Bon Appetit or Sever and some of those other places, but I think the the home cook has taken a backseat to let, you know, the kind of 301 adventurous cook or the restaurant chef or some of these other kind of more inherently sexy things. And for us, I think like our mission is that home cooking like can not only be fun and easy and approachable, but it can also be sexy and exciting, you know? And I think that's really where we aim to, to, you know, the editorial content is where we really aim to get that message across. It's hard to do that in a recipe, right? But um, with editors that have personalities and distinct voices on the site, that's where you kind of get that message across that, like, guys, it's, it's okay to cook at home, to be a home cook. It, it's fun. It's easy. It's, it's cool, you know? So I think that's what we're trying to, to push through. And with Preach, you can drink mezcal and eat hot dogs and cook pancakes in your oven all the time. So it, it's also a lifestyle. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want all those It's things? a lifestyle choice, too. Well, except in the case of the pancakes in the oven piece, which I read was very charming. It talked about your seven-year-old self, and I don't know if your seven-year-old self was drinking mezcal, but no, definitely making the pancakes. Mom, I was not, I promise. Uh, yeah. I, I think that is a great example of how it was very charming, but it was also it was something you started doing as a child. Well, yeah, no, I mean, kids I, cook, and I, that's super easy and approachable. Pancakes, scrambled eggs, those are the two things that um, that I think all all kids should know how to make by the time they're twelve. It's certainly like the only two things I knew how to make until I was twenty. I don't know. So uh, you know, but things uh, things picked up from there. But yeah, the whole the whole idea was I had gone to a restaurant um, in Brooklyn uh, called Reynard, uh, owned by a man named Andrew Tarlow, uh, and they were doing something there. They, they do a lot of wood fired cooking, so they have an amazing, beautiful oven um, that they cook meats and all these things in. But they they were doing uh, they were basically pan roasting 
their pancakes and and like you know here's here's pancakes the thing that you just shouldn't be able to reinvent right like you shouldn't be able to like you shouldn't look at a pancake and it's like okay maybe it has ricotta in it like it's got some cool compote on top of flavored syrup but like you know rethinking the way that you've always known to make pancakes is something that I didn't expect to come across and something you don't come across very often. So that was something that, you know, like it, it tied into a, a personal story of mine that, I, that I'd always made pancakes for my family on whatever, you know, shitty George Foreman grill uh, growing up or, you know, whatever. And here's this chef in Brooklyn doing the same thing and kind of like getting me to rethink how I'm making pancakes at home. Um, that's cool, you know, and that's something that, you know, that those are the kind of stories we want to share. It's everything from that to, uh, you know, the crazy ways to use your microplane that you didn't know how to use. You know, so it it, it runs the gamut. You know, that was something that I wrote in, in first person. That the the point was to be personal to connect to to my past experiences. Um, but you know, it's a whole range of content that we're doing on the site right now. And for people out there who might not know what a microplane is, sure. it's a really nifty, super sharp type of grater. Correct. And it was initially one of those things that chefs found in the hardware store. Yeah that they started using to grate things like nuts and lemon and cheese and really anything. Ginger, horseradish. Things that were kind of tough to grate on a standard kitchen grater. And now the microplane, being smart and picking up on a trend, has evolved this entire line of kitchen graters in all different shapes and sizes for all different kinds of things. And they really are make grating anything just like butter. It's much easier than a box grater. They're easier to clean. They're less of a pain. You can grate directly over the pan, yeah. you know, whatever you're doing. If you're grating some, some parm over, over pasta sauce, you can go directly over the pan. Um, yeah, no, incredible. Wonderful. And this is, I think, a good time to stop and take a break and see what kind of music Jack has planned for us and who is sponsoring the show. Untitled Rhythm by Knife Show, today's break song, and we'll hear from Edwards in a second. This is Tech Bites on Heritage Radio. The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn. On Tech Bites, we look at the influence of technology on our culinary life, and today we're talking about Epicurious.com and the new 2015 relaunch as a web food utility. And I think it goes without saying that I only invite people onto the show that I think are interesting and doing something interesting. But Epicurious actually does have a special place in my heart because it's actually the beginning of my whole digital technology and food mashup. A long time ago, it was probably Epicurious 2 point something. <laughs> right. 
I'm not quite sure what version we're in, but I, I wrote a column for Epicurious and have some recipes kicking around in the database and did some content. So that was really the first place that I started being digital and had avatars and avatars, things like that. Wow. So yeah. yeah. That's that's old. That's old for that'd be <laughs> avatars. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what yours was? I still have it. What was like were you like French fries or was it No, it was um a very swank illustration of me sitting at a cafe table drinking a glass of wine that I think was done by an illustrator on one of the fashion magazine floors in the art department. Wow. All right. That's solid. We should bring yeah. those back. Yeah. It what was, would your avatar be? Same one, probably. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Picture yeah. Matt pan roasting something because he <laughs> likes to pan roast. So. I, I think your avatar could be your seven-year-old self right? with all the pancake mixing fun. bowls. Yeah, absolutely. Covered in batter. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Exactly. And I'm assuming you would be a llama? I would be a llama. Snowboarding. Snowboarding, yeah. Totally. Just. <laughs> one, of the, um, one of the things I noticed about the new Epicurious, there are two things that I'm curious about. One is Instacurious. Yeah, I mean, that's just a fun label for our Instagram feed, um, where we really try to highlight what we're doing in the kitchen with some service, but also kind of what you've done in the, the kitchen. So it gives you a little window into not only our world, but the world of our readers and kind of what they're cooking. And most of them are really actually surprisingly good cooks and can take a pretty decent photo. So it's fun a- to see. It's fun to see us put out a recipe and within 24 hours have people Instagramming their own versions of it, which is really great to see. Like people adopt what we're doing that quickly. Um, it's pretty exciting. So yeah, that that's something that we put right on the right on the homepage. Is there a, a special Instacurious feed, or is it the Epicurious feed? It's just the Epicurious feed. It's what we're doing on Instagram, and you can kind of you know give people a window into that and check that out. The other thing that I was taking a look at was the community table, which looks like the people can participate. They can. That's um, that's run by a third-party vendor called Title, but a fancy way of saying they just you know let our uh, they let our users kind of if they have blogs submit their blogs to us, and there's an editorial process where those get vetted and put up. And so people have been putting up their own recipes, and you know it's sort of one of these places that. It's a little lawless. We kind of open it up for people to kind of contribute, and we kind of support what they're doing and make sure it's on brand. And you know, they get to they get to tell us what they think there. So, audience participation is one of the hallmarks, I think, of the internet. Yeah, for better, I mean, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have we have really really strong participation. I think everyone loves Epi for the comments and our recipe reviews. We talked about you know chocolate cake, and we talked about those things. You'd be shocked at how fast the reviews come in on some of these recipes and how helpful those things are. You know, oftentimes, you know, we'll have a spelling mistake or something and they'll catch it really quickly. Um, not oftentimes. I think, I think rarely. More helpful yeah. suggestions about how right. they cooked a dish. Rarely mistakes that we've made. Yeah, yes. We don't make those, but um, <laughs> ever. That's not part of the new epi. Yeah. That's not what we're doing. Could you have spell check? Right, right. We do. True. And autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> On the homepage, no less, yeah. too. <laughs> there also seems to be an, a strong component of partnerships with different entities and brands and platforms, one of being that food forecast thing with the weather channel, which might be relevant because Jack's very interested in weather apps now <laughs> and is looking for a good weather app. Dark True. Sky is a great weather My favorite app. Weather that app. One, yeah. that one costs money, too. but it's Also worth, I think it's $1.99. It's worth it. It's super good. 
Uh, no, food forecast is cool, and I think that speaks to something that we're like is a focus going forward for Epicurious, which is about uh, personalization, you know, and, and kind of finding ways to intelligently surface recipes to users. I mean, I think the the mantra has always been you go to the search box, you type in exactly what you're looking for, or you come in through Google because you've been searching exactly what you're looking for, and we kind of give you recipes that match using keywords or, uh, you know, other information. And I think recipe forecast or food forecast was the first kind of attempt to, um, to, to surface recipes a little bit more intelligently. So people would type in their, uh, their zip code or city. Um, and based on what the weather is in that city, we give you a, a set of recipes that we think will, uh, will match your cold weather conditions or your dry, arid uh, you know, desert-like weather or your perfect sunny 75 Southern California weather. So, you know, that that's like a very basic kind of first step at, at trying to, um, to to find a better way to get recipes to people um, quicker. And satisfy great sponsors and partners. Yeah, I mean, you know, they weren't even a sponsor so much as they're just a partner. They had a, they had a great API and we kind of mutually came to like, oh, cool, what can we do together? You know that's great. So they they helped us out. They let us use their API, and we kind of built something on top of it. You know, to speak to Matt's point, I think if you think about gluten free, you know the way that you cook when you're gluten free versus someone who has a family of six, everyone's looking for different types of recipes. So I kind of feel like the search box is a little bit of tyranny, where there's some arrogance there, where it's like, oh, we got we got millions of recipes. Just tell us what you want. You didn't get it? Keep searching. Like it's like (laughs) I don't like that. You know, at some point, like we have to know a little bit that you're like from boston and you have two kids and you like to eat healthy and you want quick meals like well great some other people like stuff that takes three hours to cook and they like to cook with butter and they like comforty stuff and they're not interested in and if we can be better at that i think you'll you'll have a much better outcome so it's not just the same search for everybody so this is trying to serve up the suggestions that people are really used to now when they're online when they go to amazon or when they go to netflix start to take a look at what their personalities are so what if you liked oven pancakes and hot dog fridays you're gonna (laughs) love pigs in a blanket right wait hold on a second that's amazing (laughs) write that down write that down um yeah similar to that i mean i think it's it's a little bit gentler than that i mean i don't think it's going to be this giant hive mind but it's it's just having it make a little bit more sense for who you are um and you know, we don't need to even be that explicit about it. It just if you end up seeing more stuff that you like on Epi, that's good for us. We just want to make it more helpful for you. It doesn't necessarily need to be like you like this, you like this. It's like you just here. We'll show you this one instead. Yeah, we mind your data to yeah. get this information. You know. Yeah, but you did right? No, a little bit with food forecast. No, people are giving that to us, right? Yeah. So they're typing in their right. their zip code, and and I think. Um, you know, there's no clear picture on exactly how that's going to evolve and, and be a part of what we do every single day in search. But, you know, we have people writing hundreds of reviews, rating recipes. That data is already there, and it's displayed on all the recipe pages. 81% of people might cook this chicken thigh recipe again. It's rated three out of four forks, you know, what, whatever those metrics are. Um, and I think, you know, figuring out ways to, to incorporate that data. And, oh, my God. Uh, figuring out other ways to incorporate that data uh, into feedback. the site. Yeah, exactly. User feedback. Yeah, do people <laughs> like what we're saying? What's going on? What's is, uh, Twitter? What's happening? Yeah, we already know what our good stuff is. So if we can make sure that you find it faster, I think that's better for everybody. What's the most popular search on the site? I mean, chicken. Like 
just chicken. Chicken <laughs> is the internet, basically. It's like <laughs> it's the cat of the cats of the food world. Yeah, yeah, it's like if you have if you don't have chicken recipes, your site will fail hard. Um, chicken's pretty big. I, I'm always surprised. Chicken thighs, boneless, skinless yeah. chicken breasts, roast chicken. Yeah, it's going to turn into Forrest Gump, uh, chicken gumbo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of chicken recipes out there. One of my recipes is for roast chicken. Really? And I have four out of four forks. Nice. nice. I nice. only have 25 comments, though, and after the 25,000 or however many it is for the chocolate cake, 2,500. I, I was so excited, and now I feel. No, 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 no. no. 25 excited. comments is good. That's, that's good. That's On average, it's 22, so you are above average. <laughs> I like that I know that offhand. That makes me feel a lot better. See, you're above average. Yeah. I also have a coconut cake recipe, which has three and a half out of four stars. Ooh, one guy. But only one comment. Oh. So that's below average. Some people are just silently trolling you on your cake. <laughs> yeah. But I could say that it's with rice flour and not wheat flour. So Is it maybe I should. It could be. Maybe I should re. Tweet that out today as a gluten free <laughs> recipe, and I think that it'll just go crazy. You could break the internet. Gluten-free is, like, such a strong thing right now. So you have to predict what people like and what people will want. What are you predicting for the rest of the year? For Epicurious or just in the world of sort of llamas and snowboarding? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get those llamas. Um, I'm, a, I will, I will get to level 20 of this game eventually. Uh, with enough effort. Will you get back in touch with us when you do and let us know? Yes. Send will, in a screenshot or something like that. definitely do that. Um, I think for Epi, you know, we're going to have a lot of experiments and try some stuff. Um, and we're going to learn from that. And I think you can expect really great recipes to keep coming out. And people can come back every day and have, you know, one of those holy crap moments. We had one the other day with just kind of a user's manual for your dish towel and all the cool things you can do with the dish towel. And, you know, we've I've learned all kinds of great things in just three weeks about cooking and how to become a better cook like peel your ginger freeze it and then use a microplane to grate it and it's way easier than if you do it any other way and for me i was like wow that you know that's great because i hate grating ginger so i think i think that's the promise is that you can come back and expect our products to get better every day and the content to be better one of the ways i was gauging what to write about when I was writing for Epicurious was simply if I had never heard of it or it was new or it was a discovery for me then it would likely be a discovery for other people. And it wasn't something that was so obvious a point of view to have and almost something that I had to train myself to do. But that moment of, wow, this is cool or neat or new or different, ah, maybe we should yeah, know that online. It's, it's how you write about it, you know? I mean, I, I, mean, no, I, th- I, think, I think discovery is, all, is, is one great angle that you can bring to something, and I think that you're right. Like, if it's not too obscure and, and uninteresting... Uh, then that's a great way to tell if people are going to be interested. But I also think we just ask ourselves, is this helpful? Is this useful information? And and it doesn't have to be something that's mind-blowing or, um, uh, you know, revelatory um, or, like, the last word on whatever subject we're doing. But is it interesting? Is it helpful? Can we write it about in a way that we can be enthusiastic and get other people excited about it? Um, And just just bringing information to people in a way that... um, isn't a dial tone. You know, I think so much with the home cook stuff, the reason that, you know, I think it's not thought of as cool or sexy is that people don't write about it with voice or personality like they do other areas of the internet. You know, I think, you know, people are just like, it's a Wikipedia style about.com entry about how to do this thing. You want to know how to do this? Here is how you do it. Thank you. Come again. Like no one's going to click anywhere else on the site. So I think we want (laughs) to just give a little bit of energy to to topics that, that don't normally uh, uh, get that treatment. 
So if people want to be really active and have their posts pop up on community table and things like that, what's your recommendation to people on how to communicate what they're interested in, write well, and bubble up to the top? I mean, I think if they listen to, I don't know, where are we now? Like, whatever this interview has been about, however long. I mean, <laughs> if you listen to that, I think you'll get you'll get a, a really good sense of, of kind of what we're looking for. So I think if you are helpful and you're interesting and you're enthusiastic, that's better than being, like, elitist and bummed out and just like, you don't know how to do this. Let me show you how if you don't know. You know, it's like, be, be fun. Have some fun with it. It's really just all about photography, honestly. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's true. You know, whether you're getting regrammed on Instagram or you're getting featured on, on the site or we bring you on as a contributor or, or whatever, we shout you out on Twitter. It's just all about food photos. So that's the secret. <laughs> food photos that's on it. radio. You know, there is a food photographer, Michael Harlan Turkle, who yes, has a has radio a show, show this, called Food show. Scene, which yeah. is an interesting irony, but it's quite a good Imagine show. the Should dinner. Food unseen. <laughs> so we are actually 29 minutes in, which means we are Dance on party. our way out. <laughs> yeah, is that techno song coming on again? It will. Okay, great. So I want to thank our guests today, Matt and Eric, for coming in and talking about the new Epicurious. I want to thank Jack for making it all happen and thank everyone for listening. And if you liked it, come back and listen to us again on Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you really liked it, think about becoming a Heritage Radio Network member. You get an awesome pizza tote bag. Wow. Tote bag made of pizza. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. How did they do that? <laughs> listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 